Welcome to the Code 3 Counseling Podcast. Code 3 Counseling exists to provide mental health and personal support for first responders and their families. Each episode, we will share with you information, strategies, and resources that can help you thrive in the first responder life. The Code 3 Counseling Podcast is hosted by our co-founders, Sean Cavan and Alicia Swade. The cool thing is we are a first responder family. Sean is a retired police officer, and Alicia, Sean's daughter, is a mental health professional also married to a cop. We hope this podcast feels like you are sitting with us talking about how to enjoy living the first responder life. Now, while our goal is to provide you with helpful and accurate information, remember it is just information. This podcast is not meant to be a replacement for mental health or medical treatment. Always consult with a professional if you have concerns about your health and wellness. All right, now let's get into this week's podcast. Hey, everyone. We are so excited for you all to join us on today's episode of the Code 3 Counseling Podcast. Today, my dad and I had the pleasure of chatting with Dr. Ellen Kirschman. I was actually connected with her through Christy Warren, who was also on the podcast before. Dr. Kirschman is an award-winning public safety psychologist and author of I Love a Cop, What Police Families Need to Know, I Love a Firefighter, What the Family Needs to Know, and co-author of Counseling Cops, What Clinicians Need to Know. Dr. Kirschman has also written three mysteries, Burying Ben, The Right-Wrong Thing, and The Fifth Reflection, all told from the perspective of police psychologist Dr. Dot Meyerhoff. She blogs with Psychology Today and maintains a website where you can sign up for her occasional newsletter. Check out the link in our show notes to sign up. So without further ado, here is our chat with Dr. Ellen Kirschman. Well, and I love that you bring that up. I mean, I personally love couples. That's my favorite thing to work with is first responder couples. Um, But then a question that came to my mind that I think some people might um, be thinking when they hear this is you talk about, okay, you when you get home having these conversations and expressing what you need and telling your partner and your family what you need but how do they know how do they find out what they need when they've never had that conversation when they've never um been taught how to have it when they've never seen people do it well so they have no framework to work within how do they figure that out well, I don't know that there's a recipe for that. It's unfortunate, and particularly because we know that a lot of people, a very large percentage, this is not science, I don't have any data on it, I know statistics, but many number of people who go into law enforcement have come out of families in which they were acting as the law enforcement in their family. They were the prematurely responsible adult because dad was drinking or mom was sick or there was a lot of turmoil in the family. And so they stepped up to, and so they're comfortable with chaos. Um, But what they could never do was to be children and to be um, Mm -hmm. dependent on other people or to get their needs met properly because for one reason or another, parents were um, unable to do that. Um, you know, we have we sometimes have a joke um, 
I probably shouldn't say this over the air, but I will. Um, <laughs> that you know, up sometimes when we're starting a retreat, we the staff will be talking and we'll say to each other, if these if the clients would only tell us about their absent alcoholic, narcissistic fathers, we could cut three days off this retreat. So, um, because that is a very typical picture, you know, there will be mm -hmm. obviously unique differences and there will be some people who have just so much trauma on the job and they have perfectly wonderful, loving, normal families. But we see a lot of this kind of family background. And so it, you have, you're at a loss, as you are pointing out, Alicia, you're, we're, they're at a loss for taking their own temperature. They, nobody mm -hmm. took care of them, so they are not able to see what it is that they need. Um, and I don't think it's rocket science. It's more a matter of habit. It's learning, and that might be a really good thing um, uh, to start talking about early on in the, somebody's career about how do you monitor? What are the red flags for yourself? So how do you know what it is you need and, and to somehow have permission to ask for what you need? I've dealt with law enforcement couples and here's like this big strapping guy that's going into an empty warehouse because the alarm is off and who knows who's and what's in the warehouse, right? Cannot even ask his wife to pass the salt at dinner. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, hopefully they'll all read my book, I Love a Cop, and the cops will read it along with the spouses. <laughs> and there'll be um, some help there, but that's what has to be normalized, is taking care of yourself. Now, having said that, I have to say something else, too. That in the absence of taking care of yourself, what we see is... These are my words. One of the occupational hazards of being a cop is self-inflation. Just the opposite of what we're talking about is thinking that you know more than everybody else, particularly those civilian types. Uh, that might include your spouse and your kids and your parents and all your friends. Mm -hmm. um, that your job is so important, everybody else in the family will have to cater to that. Uh, and, you know, coming up on the spouse's retreat, we hear that a lot. We hear that the whole family is adapting itself to the law enforcement member because they somehow also believe that this person is more important than anyone else in the family. And that is absolutely not true. This is a job, being in law enforcement. It's a difficult job. It's one of the most difficult jobs in the entire world, I think. But it does not make you more important than anyone else in your family. And you've got to be able to turn it off. Yeah, my wife and I used to have, you know, those those moments where we, we'd go somewhere and people would ask, well, what do you do? And my wife says she's a nurse. Well, she was more than a nurse. She was an ICU you know, critical care nurse. Mm -hmm. And I'd say I was a police officer and everybody would just focus on me. Sure. You know, and the whole conversation would be about law enforcement mm -hmm. stuff. And it, my wife at the end of the evening would just look at me and say, you know, I've saved more people's lives than you have. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a story in one of my books. I can't remember which one in which the, the wife was a, a an oncology nurse. 
and they were she and her husband had the same experience you and your wife had and she would say to him you just get to you know sort of load and go um with you you do your job and move on i spend months maybe years working with the same people who are dying and having an awful time of it you know so don't tell me you're more important than i am and right the it's i think it's kind of on the officer's uh, responsibility to ha- have a way to end that conversation with somebody who wants only to talk to you about law enforcement, to have a nice, gentle way to say, thanks, I'm not working now. I don't like to talk about work. Right. Not <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just not fair. That's right. That's right. There's too much the family plays second fiddle to the job too often, unless there's some kind of early agreement about how that's going to work. And and what do you want? How should we handle it when I come home and I've had a terrible day? What do you want to hear about? When do you want to hear it? Where shall we talk? You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the guys. And, you know, I think those. She, went, she waits till we're in bed to tell me this stuff. Or she hits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yep. no. She, she hits the worst me time with, possible. She hits me with a problem the minute I walk in the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, all those all those points you're making are, are perfect for that check in you were talking about at the three to five year mark, mm-hmm. you know, for for finding out from the officer now who you could have told him all these things he was going to see and, and experience in himself. But now he's actually experienced it for a couple of years. Yeah. OK, now you hit him up with the what's going on. What what does it look like to you? rather than what we told you it's supposed to look like in class, you know? And then also you hit up with the whole family contacts and things like that. What's, what's it look like at your home? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that one place where things can get missed is support for spouses because spouses don't know they're not trained. They don't go to the Academy. They don't, understand what to expect a lot of the times like oh my gosh when jake went through the academy what was it like seven years ago i don't know it was it was within the past 10 years um their like mental health and wellness thing that they did was they just sent home the book um emotional survival for law enforcement and their families and that was it there was no discussion there was no conversation there was no like even in-person meeting Mm -hmm. or anything like that for families. And I mean, that was also like all that the officers got as well. They got that and like one little YouTube video that was horrible. Mm. Um, (laughs) I'm not even going to go into that. That was, that was a traumatic experience in and of itself. But um, what it was. Oh gosh. (laughs) They did. So have you ever seen training day? Yeah. With the movie training Washington. Yeah, and he, they have that speech at the end that's, like, so motivational and, like, such a, right, it was training day, that speech? Like, why do you become a cop when it sucks and how it's a, yeah. it can be a thankless job. Do you remember? No, you're probably thinking end of watch. End of watch? Was it end of watch then? I don't remember. Where his buddy got shot and killed. And then they did, like, a big old speech. It was like a three to five minute speech about how being a, and it was from a movie. I can't remember what movie now, but, um, they, it was about how the job sucks and it can be thankless, but you do a good job and you can make impact. And it was like a motivational speech. It was really great speech, but the YouTube video that they showed was over a montage 
of probably about a hundred different officers being assassinated in the line of duty. You're me. <laughs> mm. Favor of family orientations for new hires. Um, uh-huh. And I've done several of those over the years. Um, and it's an opportunity for the family to uh, come in, meet the chief, the chaplain, field training officer who will explain what it's going to be like living with somebody who's in field training, which it's like living with somebody who's going to medical school, um, to meet other spouses. I like all, pardon me, to have a panel of um, spouses that are similar to those in the audience. So you might have some veteran spouses and some who are only recently, their spouses came out of the academy, so they may be new and home, because it's different when you're home with a little child and your spouse mm -hmm. is working midnights if, if you've been married for 15 years and you know things are sort of settled down a bit. Um, and then uh, somebody to pass out all the information about the available services like chaplains, peer support, counseling, all of that, because if you give it to the cops to bring home, it doesn't get home reliably. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's like a fifth grader with his math homework. Yeah. So that they, and that they have a chance to, and then some people will do, um, have the spouses and their um, law enforcement partners at the same orientation. My preference is to have them separate and to have, because you don't want your husband, you know, giving you the elbow and saying, don't ask those questions. Be quiet, you're embarrassing yeah. me, right? <laughs> don't want to do that. So if you can separate the group and talk to the, the law enforcement people separately and say, you know, here's what not to do when you get home, here's what to do when you get home, that kind of thing. And then you have the spouse's considerations handled separately also, as I described. I think that, for my money, that works better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, oh, yeah. I, sometimes I've been asked to come in and talk at academy graduations to the spouses and to the uh, um, officers separately. And, you know, sometimes the officers are, like, my joke is that they're, they're too young to date, so they're none of them married, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the you know the, maybe the single guys and girls should get something uh, different, separate because they're not, you know, they're not ready to hear that other stuff yet. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so I think those things are important, and then to make some kind of a phone list or networking so that the the newly hired uh, the spouses and partners of newly hired people can get to know each other perhaps and uh, mm -hmm. do some networking and social support. Yeah, absolutely. When I was in the army, we had, you know, phone trees and things like mm -hmm. that for our families that while we were gone, you know, if they needed to sure. get in touch with somebody that could help sure. or understand what they're going through. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the military is really good about that these days. Like, even now, there's a lot of support and a lot of resources for spouses of military members. I don't see that very often for spouses of first responders, okay. and especially in smaller departments. Like in the Monterey County area, 
police departments, fire departments, they're all small. We even have one dispatch center for the whole county mm-hmm. rather than like a dispatch mm-hmm. center for each department because they're all small and they're all really interconnected. Um, but they don't have anything like that. Um, and that's, that's something I've been trying to work on with some local departments, but. And, but sometimes the spouses have to bring it up and sometimes yeah. there, sometimes the unions, if there is one or the associations will, uh, sponsor that. And then sometimes, uh, the officers will say, look, this is none of your business. I'm going to keep my home mm-hmm. separate and my job separate. And, uh, I would. If it were me, I, I would push back against that. I mean, you can't force anybody to show up, of course. But I would mm-hmm. say, look, this, this, you know, you're mistaken about this. This job affects your family. And if you, because officers have two families. They have their work family and they have their real family at home. And if they don't treat both with respect, it's a burden and it's a blessing, both, Right. So if they don't treat both with respect and care, one of them is not going to be there. For sure, the work family is fickle. If, if you think that part of what I said to you earlier about the kind of background that many uh, people who go into law enforcement have, they're still looking for that family that wasn't there for them. Again, this is all, you know, theoretical, but that they're still looking for that family. And then they put, uh, as Kevin Gilmartin says, they put all their eggs in this one basket over, over what they can't, the one basket they can't control, which is their job. Hey y'all, I am so, so sorry that we got to cut off the interview there. We were experiencing some technical difficulties, but I hope you enjoyed our chat with Dr. Kirschman. If you are interested in learning more about her or her books or the West Coast Post-Trauma Retreat, check out our show notes. Also, don't forget we have two free resources for you if you sign up for our monthly wellness newsletter. Check them out in our show notes as well. If this episode helped you out in any way, please share it with your friends and family or even leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. And always remember, it may be your battle, but you don't have to fight it alone.